This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. They? Yeah, they are. In one line, yeah, yeah one way of doing it, yeah. yeah. I can't, For example, I can't get direct to Thornton Heath from here. But I can get direct to Selhurst. So, it, it, yeah. So I, think should, I think we should move back to Crystal Palace Park only if we can incorporate the dinosaurs on the touchline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I would imagine that that Crystal Palace Park thing is going to be alongside some degree of redevelopment of Sellers, personally. Do you don't think it's going to be like a bluff move like um, with the Olympic Stadium in Tottenham? Uh, no. Well, I, well, the thing is, uh, they did want to go to the Olympic Stadium, Tottenham, because of... Well, I can't get into it at five to eight, really. But I know, knew quite a lot about that because I was involved in some of the early plans of both the White Hart Lane thing and um, some of the infrastructure work around that Olympic Stadium. But, yeah, I saw a load of stuff. I knew about their white, the White Hart Lane thing for like the, the way they're doing that for quite some time. I mean, they've been buying stuff around there for ages, but uh, but the transport was the problem. Uh, they couldn't get any kind of a grant from Transport for London for any of the work. It was like something like forty million to upgrade the transport infrastructure for the additional capacity. It's it's West Ham yeah. who jammy, aren't they? It's all that money. Mm. For, who was it, get... by the way? Someone recommended Simon Jordan's book to me. Probably me. It's a good book. I just I'm halfway through it. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, wait till you read the bit at the end. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, I'm up to the bit where he's, where he's talked about taking over. Um, Crystal Palace Park and how he completely yeah. fucked that up. Yeah. Sorry, sell no, us it's, it's, Yeah, yeah, exactly. No no, it's a, yeah, it's nothing's his fault in that book. Just remember that. Yeah. I've got, so, do you know what? I've, as one of the perks of being an ambassador, mm. I've got a, a plaque at home that I've got to dig out for my dad, which is a photo of the ground and the date, and it says Selhurst Park Reunited. Yeah. I've yeah, got that. <laughs> I've got the same yeah. picture. It was a print, wasn't it? There was 250 yeah. made. We were given one. <laughs> and like, there's the t-shirts and stuff si- like that. Signed by Simon Jordan. Mm. Yeah. Someone's selling their one online. It must be worth a few bob in a few years. He's selling the picture of the sellers. That was obviously like people were selling. And uh, the club shop was selling uh, the prints, the special special edition prints and he's selling the team of the year mm. the stupidest picture in the world he's basically just Crystal Palace team with with the heads of team of the year stuck on 
Do any of you guys know where you can get the Celeste Park SC25 like road sign type jobbies, or does anywhere just make them? I have no idea. To be honest with you, with them. Has anyone noticed there wasn't there wasn't a DVD of last season's um, review? It's all on iTunes. Uh, there is a DVD. There is a DVD. Oh, they sold out then. Yeah, oh. possibly. Yeah, but they. Um, yeah, it's part of the reason we didn't get the documentary released and stuff but we'll um yeah. is that, that's never going to happen now is it that's never going to happen I, I really don't know what's going to happen it will see the light of day in some form but I'm not sure what form ask Parrish at the end of the season yeah I'll be tempted might enrage him but Too many. or arouse him <laughs> yeah okay I'm not sure how but alright <laughs> two minutes yeah to midnight. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <clears throat> uh, who's still got their Skype noises on? That you, Mikey? I don't know. No, it's me. I'm turning my volume down. Sorry. Yeah, you will be. We've been live for five now. minutes, have we? Oh dear, some of that would have... Oh, never mind, eh? Didn't say... Well, we're live right now, still. Are you sure? That would be worrying if we were, considering the conversation we just had. Yeah, well, there's nine people who have heard it. So. Robert CPFC, just a quick warning, I can hear you. <laughs> Hi, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Robert. Cheers, yeah. Mikey. <laughs> Oh dear. The train's what? what the I train? said keep it really quiet. Don't tell anybody. This is top secret. <laughs> and then you yeah, alright. And then Mikey immediately goes record. So but did you press the wrong decoder? Uh, encoder, sorry, decoder. Yeah, we're speaking in code. Uh sorry. Um yeah. I take it we're not live now though. Yeah, yeah, we're not. Yeah, we are. That hat is fucking atrocious. <sighs> Live commentary. Uh, ball back with companion in the centre of the field. I hope he plays a long raking pass. He doesn't. <laughs> it's found Dobby. Oh, again, he's tried to... Have you got a word for those short passes? Well, I've got a word for that short pass, but um, <laughs> I better not say it. Live interviews. Yeah, I think that's where we'll be for, for the foreseeable future. You know, we're working on some interesting things there. And um, I think that we're developing, we're developing it bit by bit. is probably going to be our best option. Expert analysis. Hello and welcome to a special Homestyle Radio mini podcast. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm salivating for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, most of the time, anyway. Homesdale Radio. Hello and good evening. Welcome to Homesdale Radio. My name is Chris Hambling, and tonight I host our look back at a week that saw the brilliant five-game winning run come to an end at the hands of a Yaya Torre-inspired Manchester City. Assisting me tonight with opinions aplenty are Nick Gillard. Hello. Hello. Tony Piers. Evening all. And in the contact hub with his opinions and yours, we have Tom Fancy. Hi, Tom. Hello. 
Uh, so on the menu tonight, we'll have a quick chat about the effect Kevin Phillips had at Palace as the veteran Leicester striker announced his retirement. We'll have a full review of yesterday's game against Manchester City, a chat about what we want to see for the rest of the season, and finally we'll be rounding up as much of your contact as possible. Do get in touch with us tonight via the chat room, wholeradio.net forward slash chat, Twitter at HOL Radio, Facebook, facebook.com forward slash HOL Radio, or email radio at homestale.net. As ever, we begin with news in brief. Get involved with the show. Email radio at homestale.net or call us on 0208 1234 Homestale Radio. Voices for Palace Watch. Faces for Crime Watch. All the latest news from around Selhurst Park. This is News in Brief. At the game yesterday, you may have noticed that there were collections for Scarlet's Wish to Walk. Scarlett is an eight-year-old Palace fan with cerebral palsy who needs a life-changing operation in the US to help her walk. She was a mascot at the game yesterday and a place to make donations to her cause, but she still needs your help. Visit her Just Giving page, justgiving.com forward slash Scarlett's Wish to Walk. Former Palace striker and veteran of pretty much every football club in the country, Kevin Phillips, has announced he will retire at the end of the season. Leicester City, his current club, have one more game and then the Super Kev will be hanging up his boots. With the Fulham away tickets now sold out, over 2,000 Palace supporters will be heading to Craven Cottage to watch the Eagles hopefully relegate the Cottagers. There are several boat trips being organised, including one through the CPFC Study Centre. If you fancy making the trip up the river, with a match ticket or not, Google CPFC Study Centre boat trip and you can buy online. News in brief. Check out our blog, www.wholeradio.net slash blog. Like the radio show, but it's a blog. Right, uh, so the first thing I want to talk about is the um, announcement today from Kevin Phillips that he was retiring from football at the end of the season. Obviously, Leicester have just the one game left. Um, you'd hope, hope he gets a run out in that match. And um, it's really, it's only... It, sort of a quick couple of minutes to talk about the impact he had at Palace. Um, obviously, he started the season as a Premier League player with the club and uh, under Holloway sort of didn't really feature too much. A couple of bits off the bench and then Pulis came in and, and said, you know, off you go, go and play some football. And it was kind of a mutually beneficial decision for him to leave. But in his short time, he did have a huge impact. Scored some very important goals, including one of the most mishit hat-tricks I've ever seen in my life. But... Um, just had a huge impact on the club and, and, and the people around it. So I just want to take a minute to talk about that. Um, let's start with you, actually, Tom. Um, I mean, what you know? What, what are your thoughts on, on the time we signed Phillips? Well, I remember at the time when we were initially linked with him, there was a lot of negative comments uh, from some of the Palace fans saying, oh, you know, he's too old. Why are we looking at him? You know, we should have, we should have done more in the summer. Now we're sort of relying on aging journeymen but um it turned out to be quite the opposite didn't it mm. um as you say the highlights obviously that uh that penalty at Wembley that saw us go to the Premier League and uh that hat-trick against Hull which couldn't have been sweeter against old snubnose um <laughs> but yeah I, I think he was in a short time he got some very important goals and um always seemed to give his all for the club which is just just a good professional to have around the club help us over the line so yeah a short but a uh, very rewarding time with us and mm. I remember him Fondly, yeah. Um, sorry, it's not died, mate. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> Nick, his career has. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nick, uh, a similar feelings. Were you apprehensive when we signed him, or were you one of those who, who always knew it was the right thing to do from the very start? And you never said anything negative. 
it was an actual goal scorer, wasn't he? And it's what we needed at the time. And he did the job. He did the job well. It's it's sad to see um, him go. I mean, I'm I'm mid forties now, and um, it it makes me feel really, really, really old. Um, really old now. These now these uh, kind of older footballers are disappearing. I, I remember being really sad when uh, Sheringham retired because he was the last footballer I remember that was actually older than me. <laughs> yeah, I know it's distressing as well when you're seeing the likes of Ryan Giggs on the touchline as a manager now wearing suits. It's you know even for me it's uh, it's quite disturbing. But yeah, like you like you say, he's um, he was a goal scorer, but but one of a sort of one of a kind in in the length of you know the lengthy time he played really you, you don't see that sometimes you know a goalkeeper will play past 40 and you've got like you know a completely unique player in gigs who's still registered at, at that sort of age but uh, yeah it's, it's phenomenal really Nick just looking back at Stanley Matthews did he retire at 57 or something ridiculous <laughs> like that it was yeah something like that yeah but I mean he played yeah sort of you know top top level football in, in you know at the age of 50 didn't he but I mean that's yeah you know, you'll, you'll never get close to that now. I don't think. You know, who knows? Who knows in the future holds? I suppose, but certainly not at the moment. But yeah, Phillips still playing. You know, the the age he's playing and still scoring goals. It's it's phenomenal. Uh, Tony, just last little word on that. Um, you know, when he joined, were you someone who was apprehensive and polite? You know, sorry, pleasantly surprised by his impact. I was um, I was actually happy when we signed him. I mean, Phillips towards the um, the latter of his career developed a reputation for coming off the bench and and making a nuisance and scoring goals. And I think um, he was always the sort of player that um, when they had him on the bench and then you saw he was warming up, you just thought, oh, God, you know, 20 minutes of Kevin Phillips on the pitch. So it was nice to be the team that had him that we could say, yes, he's coming off the bench. Fantastic. I mean, I up until this season, obviously, where we've been in the Premier League, I mean, I, I thought he was probably the best calibre player we've signed in a very, very long time. I mean, to say that we've got a genuine, you know, legend of the game ex you know good player that everyone liked whichever club he went to is was a rarity so yeah so i mean yeah you, you've hit the nail on the head really with the with the fact that whenever he played against us in particular he was always a pain when he came off the bench and it, it was really nice to have that on our side and i and i dare say he had a really positive impact on all sorts of people i noticed glenn murray today uh talking about you know him learning from kevin phillips it's quite funny you know with glenn being in potentially the latter stages of his career it's, it's you know, it's strange that people can still sort of learn at that level, and you've got to hope that Dwight Gale would have picked a fair bit up, and, and hopefully some of the younger lads as well. So yeah, uh, amazing, really, the, the spell he had with us, and obviously he'll always be remembered for that for that penalty. And shame he's had to call time on it, but it's one of those where it's you know totally understandable. Um, all right, brilliant. So yeah, that, that's just a little little chat on, on Kevin Phillips there, and obviously wish him the best. I mean, he won't be listening. He's, he's he might listen to the podcast. He might be. Probably not a live listener. Um, in fact, there's not been too many of those today. Anyway, enough about that. I won't, won't dwell on that. Uh, it's yeah, it's a difficult, um, a difficult one, really. Obviously, we play playing on a Sunday, doing the show on a Monday. But um, you know, the the, I mean, let's let's start where we always start. Line up. Uh, the the big change was I mean, KG had a knock apparently, uh, and dropped down to the bench. But what we saw was the, the change. I suppose we've all talked about for weeks and. And that was the Joe Deadly to go alongside Jednak and KG to come out of the side. And it, it looked like our strongest team. It really did. And I, I was pretty happy with it, I have to say, when, when the teams were announced. Um, well, until I, <laughs> I looked at the Man City team, I suppose, and saw that Yaya Torre was back in it. But, uh, yeah, it was, I thought it was a pretty positive, um, positive lineup. What do you think, Tony? 
Yeah, I'd agree. I think we've all said it in the past that we felt that that was our strongest lineup, and I think um, it just gives some balance to the team because we know that Ledley's a, a good passer of the ball and he, he breaks up play well and he gets forwards as well. So he's a much better box-to-box pla- uh, midfielder in my opinion. And I think going alongside Jednak and Jednak can break up play, give it to Ledley. Ledley can make the decisive passes. So it, it, we just have more balance to the team. We look like we can actually attack. Whenever we've got KG in the team, we do shore it up a little bit more defensively, but we don't look like we can attack as much. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, on, on that sense, I suppose it, it was a bit of a bold move against Manchester City. But, um, you know, obviously, game aside, we, we, we know how it panned out and... It was very, very early on that we struggled. But in, in terms of the lineup, Nick, you, you said you know that the accommodating Chimat was vital, I guess, because he's our best player. Is, is that what you feel? He is our best player by far, uh, a long way, and he should be the first first name on the team sheet. Um, I think we miss KG a bit. I don't know why. We, we just seem to be lacking something. And uh, Shifty97 in the chat room, um, hello Shifty97, um, seems to agree with me that we, we miss KG. I don't, I don't know, I can't put my finger on what it was that we missed, but it, it just seemed to be something missing a bit in the middle. Yeah. And it was oh. kind of, you know, what what would happen so early on in the game, you know. I do, yeah. So, I mean, what we've talked about what, uh, what what KG does sort of bring to the side, and it's, I suppose it, it's the work that, that almost goes unnoticed. That's why you have a um, hard time pinning your finger on it. And we almost talk about it every week when we try and sort of justify what KG does well. And, it's really very, very tough. It's just little link play. It's you know movement, and it's and it's sort of getting box to box. You sort of don't think of him as a uh, as that energetic a player, but he is. And as we've talked about previously, he's got that understanding with Jednak that's been built over a long, long period of time. And you've got to give Ledley a chance to to sort of learn that, and Jednak to learn Ledley's game as well. So I still mm. think this is the way forward. But you're you're right. We missed the familiarity. I think in in organisation in the centre and midfield at times. But having said that, we played pretty well considering the opposition we were against. It was by no means a, a glorious effort from the from the team. You know, a few people were some way short of their, their best. But overall we you know we held a very, very good side to 2-0 and it was it was a side that was dominated by one player that we'll talk about shortly. Just last word on that, Tom, and if we've got any contact so far on that we'll come we'll have that as well. But uh, the, the line-up, the decision to rest KG, what are your feelings on it? Yeah, as I said last week, I'm a big fan of um, Jedi, uh, sorry, not Jedi, Shemak starting over KG because I think he does give us that attacking option. Again, as I said before, KG is an easy scapegoat and uh, uh, but in, in, in some games you can see the sort of defensive abilities he's got with Jedi do, does work as, as you as you pinpointed earlier mm. um, oh yeah I think we, we had to go from it there's no point just sitting back against Man City because obviously they've got undoubted quality so if you're just going to sit back and defend at home I mean we, we had nothing to lose we didn't need the three points to stay up we might as well make a game of it so yeah I was, I was, I was happy to see Schmack uh, start really and some of the other subs which I'm sure we'll talk on later you know maybe looking mm. forward towards next year yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, just to say, we don't have really any comments at the moment from uh, our, our 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 listeners. Sorry, my brain went there. Oh, regarding <laughs> the um, the start eleven, but we've had a few comments in regarding uh, memories of Super Kev, if you want them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so we've had uh, Tom Crivage put that penalty, which uh, needs no explanation. Um, Wayne Wright has said, uh, apart from the uh, penalty, he thinks that the hat trick against Hull. So there's another contender we also mentioned. Mike Timms has come up with a good one, which I which I'd sort of shamelessly forgotten, which is the tying goal in that two-two comeback away to Watford, which was an incredible game. Yeah. If you remember that one. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and so that's that's uh, that's pretty much some of the comments we had. And we've also had one in from uh, Stephen Donovan regarding the starting eleven. He says so. Yeah, he agrees that we should have started um, Shamak. It gives a different dynamic to when we have oh. KG in the team. No, oh, I'm going to stop you because it was called, that was Stephanie Donovan. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Stephen. But good work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's, I did notice that very earlier on, uh, Will Gaspone got in touch and said that. Um, the fact, he felt the fact that KG wasn't in the lineup did work against us, and that, that we gave Torre too much space. And yeah, I mean, we will we will definitely talk Yo-Yo Torre in a minute because I understand where that comes from. And it's, it's interesting to think what, what you know whether KG would have stood up better, but you know Torre was a was a man on fire yesterday. And um, I mean, and Nav's got in touch as well and said conceding so early that uh, against a team like that makes the starting eleven irrelevant. But as the game went on, we missed KG. So very much the, the feeling that. You know, we did we did miss him, but I say I, I'm not too sure that the result would have been much different myself. I, I, I just get the feeling that you know whatever lineup we put out there, I don't think it's significant enough to drop KG that it would have caused us to lose. I think there's a danger of getting ahead of yourself a little bit when you when you kind of almost you're on this winning run and you kind of forget who you've just played and, and what they're about and the money that they've spent and the quality that they've got. And you could be very very careful not to read too much into our own lineup changes so like i say i thought it was a positive lineup i thought you know if anything we we showed that we wanted to sort of try and get something out of the game if we could hold them long enough but obviously we didn't do that it was four minutes on the clock and and the ball was in the net uh it was a good ball in from Toure, but wasn't closed down quickly um I don't, it's hard to criticise, it really is because he, he's such a fantastic player but it just makes things so difficult we're used to holding teams off and you know if they've got to work for that goal and Man City did not really have to work for it, so when it went in guys, um, uh, what, what were your thoughts if I start with you Nicholas The the first thing my son said was um, if it carries on like this dad it'll be 18-0 by full time <laughs> which I thought was very positive um, it, it killed the game for us really didn't it and, and and City, City were kind of coasting from the moment they scored that goal. And, and it was a brilliant ball in from Torre. And there was nothing we could do about it. And it, it changed our whole game plan completely, didn't it? Because normally we, we sit on the... We, we we allow other teams to attack and then we're, we're quick on the break with them. And and rather than waiting for our time, we, we had to kind of either get straight into the game and go at City which I think would have cost us more. Yeah. And I think um, Pulley's just kept us doing the same thing, which which was a good plan, actually. It's, but we, I knew it was going to be one of those games once they scored in four minutes, and to be perfectly honest, 2-0 at the end I was quite happy with. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can understand that in, in, in some ways. I mean, all the message boards don't really relate to anyone being massively happy about it. Well, we'll talk about the reasons for that. Uh, Tony, your own thoughts on, you know, see when we went 1-0 down. Yeah, I thought I thought as um, Nick said, you know, it le- allowed them to coast. They almost played us at our own game in sitting back, absorbing pressure, and then playing on the counter. And unfortunately, because we're not necessarily a team set up to try and break teams down and attack, it it, it really subdued the game. It became, you know, us trying to penetrate them and people getting frustrated and, and nothing really happening. And you know, there wasn't. <sighs> I don't know, my, my thoughts when I came away from the game is I can't remember particularly really big moments or anything like that. It was, And that goal, as Nick quite rightly said, just killed off the game. And it was, it was just a good goal. I mean, not, you know, great, great crossing. What can you say? But, but, but I'm, I felt, I mean, again, I don't want to be too critical because of, of the quality that came in there. But 
I, I do think that if you look at the goal, we're, we're not quite switched on. I had, a, I had a quick look at how we were set up. Delaney came out of the defence towards Toure, saw he was causing a problem, saw, saw he had a bit too much space and time on the ball. But by the time he got to the edge of the box and, and not near Toure, Toure had already played the ball in. Uh, and really, Delaney coming out of the area like that, he's, he's left Mariapa one side of Dzeko and, and obviously Scott Dan the other. Now, it's an absolutely pinpoint ball. It's over the head of, of Dan, he can't possibly get to it. And it, it's straight on the head of, uh, of Dzeko. But unfortunately, Mariapa didn't have, although he is you know, a centre-back by trade, he just didn't have the physicality and, and the height to, to get round and make a proper challenge. And in the end, it was just nodding it into, into the corner. So it's a little bit disappointing, I have to say. Our usual organisation, because it was early in the game, we, didn't, we weren't quite ready, we weren't quite there. And a little bit of a moment from Delaney, in my view. Uh, Tony, you wanted to add to that? Yeah, no, I think, you know, <clears throat> it's easy after a five-game winning streak to, to look on the negatives of it. But mm. I think, you know, we played, we played well yesterday. It was just, it was a bit of a subdued performance from both teams because City was sort of just happy to absorb pressure. They were one and then two nil up. We were trying to give it a go. I think we played well. We matched them definitely. And the only difference was their finishing was clinical. I mean, it was a yeah. great ball in from Toure. And their second goal was just, you know... We shouldn't possibly could have closed him down, but the finish was unbelievable. But well, we I listen, well. I, yeah, I listen. I completely agree, and I, in no way of, of of looking at the goal and analysing it, in no way am I suggesting that that we didn't play well, that we didn't do a good job in trying to, to in trying to keep into the game because we were in that game for a fair while, and obviously the whole second half, we we you know we didn't concede, we did everything right, and we tried to try to be a, a force on the break, and you know we got it right occasionally, but just probably not enough as much as we would have liked, <laughs> but. But I just want to, you know, going back to that goal, I do feel that the, when the defence look at it, that they will feel disappointed. And not because of it was any, you know, lack of skill from the, from Toure putting the ball in, but just because we're usually slightly better organised than that. And there's no, you know, the initial sort of almost panic in the centre-back position for Delaney to come out like. But then again, he does that. And quite often he comes out like that and charges a shot down. It just so happened that this time it wasn't a shot. It was a beautiful chip ball up to... Up to uh, to put someone someone's head in the exact right position. So yeah, I, I do think they'll be disappointed. But again, there's no real shame in it. And what was I thought was really really impressive from our point of view is we didn't let it get to us, didn't let it change our approach to the game, um, and we felt you could see that we as the as the half went on, we felt we're still in this game. We we really really are. Um, I think one one thing to point out as well is that you know if you look at the aggregate score of you know home and away. I would probably hazard a guess that we've probably got one of the best records um, against City in the whole league. I don't think there's many teams that have only conceded three goals to City. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, not sure what that beeping noise was. Nick? Um, you, you said that Delaney was slow to come out to Torre for that first goal. and uh, would, we have start, would we have started the game differently if we weren't safe? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, I, I actually think yeah. if we weren't safe, we'd have got beaten 6 0. Oh, really? Because I think we'd have gone for it more and left ourselves more open. I definitely think if we'd, if we'd tried too much more going forward, we definitely would have left ourselves open for, for problems. I just, you know, I, did, I do think knowing the way we've been and the way we've defended, I just think we'll be disappointed with the way we conceded that goal so early in the match. It, it just t- changed the complexity. I did notice as well that Tony Pulis did make a really good call and, and he said that. You know, obviously on the big screen before the game, you had Chelsea winning 2-0 and that just gave a lift. You know, once soon as they saw that, it just gave a massive, massive, 
massive lift to Man City. And no matter what we do, we're safe in the league. And we want, of course, we want to play well. We want to have an effect on the, the title race, blah, 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 blah. But we haven't got the kind of lift start in that game that they had. And I think we did very, very well to contain it. Tom? Sorry. Uh, yeah, I totally <laughs> agree with that. Um, I've never seen away fans cheer a goal as much as that second Chelsea one um, when it went in yesterday. But, cheer their own goals that much, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it, it, as you say, the, the difference in the two teams was just staggering. I, I don't know if it was complacency. I don't, I don't think, I think that would be harsh mm. to say. Yeah. Um, I just think without disrespecting a lot of other teams in the league, um, we were just up against better opposition. And, you know, some of the techniques or tactics that our defenders might have used over the years. I mean, Delaney's what, how old is he now? 30, 31? 33, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, he's, he's played in a, a lower level for many years and he's, he's used to defending in a certain way and playing against someone like Yaya Toure, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't come every day. No. So I, I think I think it was a bit, a bit unfortunate. Um, we've had a couple of comments in uh, to yeah. our, our Twitter feed at Whole Radio. Remember, you can always uh, send us a tweet if you want to get involved with the conversation. Um, we've had mm. Reuven say, uh, the early goal ruined our game plan, but we improved tactically after half-time. But it was too late at that point, and they'd already sat back. Yeah. Uh, and Lee Jeffrey says, in his opinion, we were scared. We didn't get enough of the ball and during the game. That's, uh, that's, yeah, that's a strong strong point there that we were scared. I, I kind of almost, I think maybe in some ways we afforded perhaps a bit too much respect to, to Man City. But I do think that, again, like I said earlier, there's a real danger of over just just expectation rising beyond re- you know realistic levels um, because we've done so well lately. It would have been really, really nice to have kept them level for quite a while and get them nervous and see if we can sort of maybe nick something that way. But... Um, you know, at the end of the day, we we, we conceded a goal, but we and we didn't capitulate, and we've got to be happy with that to a, to a point, rather than worry too much about you know the the negative side of it. Uh, I do want to talk about that second goal, but I'm going to give you a chance to say something, Nick, because you were saying you want to talk. Yes, indeed. Um, Gel, who I went with yesterday, and says hello hey. to everybody. By the way, he will be back next season. He reckons once he's got over his mouth injury, um, <laughs> and his Tourette's <laughs> treatment. Um, he said, Man City, we, we, were look, we were at Sellers and we were looking at a team that had possibly three, maybe four of the top ten players in the world on the pitch. Yeah. And and I know we're going to talk a bit about um, Yala Torre again later. Um, but we, we did well against a team. It's the, it's the most valuable team in the world, isn't it? Yeah, and, it is. And, but I mean, did how- we play better at their place? Uh, yeah, I think I think we probably did really, which is weird. Um, but they were they were a bit more. It's weird. They kind of afforded us quite a lot of respect in the sense that at their place they were they were very very attacking, weren't they? Um, but but uh, at Sellers yesterday they got the early goal and they didn't really push a huge amount after that. They just they just sort of moved the ball around. Uh, Tony. You sort of made the point that I was going to say, actually. I think the big difference between the Etihad and Sellers is the Etihad, they attacked. And our game is based on absorbing pressure and then counter-attacking quickly. Mm. And if they're sitting back, <clears throat> we, we can't do that. I mean, one definite fact to make is that, is, is that you know, this is a team that are Champions League, you know, the last couple of seasons. Most, one of the, yeah, as you mentioned, one of the most expensive teams in the league. And they're going for promotion. And they, they didn't look, you know, we... They, it, it wasn't sort of like, oh, they were all over us or battering us. We, you know, it looked pretty even, to be totally honest. Other yeah. than the two goals where they were clinical, that's perhaps the only thing we lack. I genuinely think if we'd got a goal 
in the second half, then it, it, we potentially would have gone on to equalise mm. and, and draw that match because they would have got really, really nervous and just really gone back on themselves. It's because it's, they had a two-goal cushion. Yeah, it's interesting. Just before we forget, um, promotion to what? The Premiership Plus? What are you talking about? Promotion. Sorry. They're going for promotion. <laughs> uh-huh. to, win, to win the league. Ignore that. Ignore that. Um, I mean, yeah, to sort of follow on from, from the point that Tony was making and the, and the point that you were making, Nick, I thought it, it's kind of an interesting observation that in some ways that they're one of the first teams in the world to have, have played to our style, to, as in to play to stop us at what we were good at as well. Because usually it's a game of us stopping the opposition play and hitting them on the break, but... They did sit back, and I, at the time I was, I thought it was a bit curious that they, were, especially in the second half, they sat right back and just let us have the ball at times, um, and, and we did struggle to break them down. And it, it's interesting. I think that genuinely is the first time I, I would say this I've seen this season of, of a team, you know, I think especially a team of, of that quality, who would just look at us and think, you know, how how can we negate the the threat that they have? Our threat comes from our wingers and uh, you know, getting getting down the sides and getting the ball in the area and they didn't really have a huge opportunity to do that so much and I think maybe that, that that's a part of it as well I think we in Tony Pugius maybe got the ultimate respect from Pellegrini and, and Pellegrini changed the way Man City played to, to negate us um, oh, I thought Tom wanted to talk but he's just telling me Arsenal were one new up against Newcastle exciting <clears throat> um, for the podcast listeners <laughs> Yeah, it's great for the podcast listeners. It's like being there. Um, anyway, yeah. It's as quiet as the library. <sighs> yeah, almost certainly is. All right, um, second goal, I suppose we'd better talk about. Um, pass and move from Torre. Oh, I mean, it, it was just power, really, wasn't it? And it, the last the last bit where he's just essentially knocked Delaney on his arse and gone right through. I mean, it's just it was upsetting to watch as well, but you can't help but admire it, admire the movement. Uh, he, you know, he was essentially him versus us at times, and and he came out on top. But it, it was a good goal, and there's nothing Sparrow could do to get it. Um, and, and just word on that, guys. First of all, it was an impressive goal, but can, can we do any better? Let's start with you, Tony. No, I don't. I, possibly we could have made a challenge, but you know that that was class goal I mean you the the fans around me we sort of just looked when that ball hit the back of the net all you could do is just and I saw it I did it as well just just to clap you know it's just like well done that was that was great I mean there was nothing we could really do and possibly get a challenge in but it was just a very very good goal and the finish was superb I mean just to curl it into that top corner all you could do is applaud and say fair play you know it's like the Kasimi goal um, when we played Fulham. It was just all you could do is just sit back and Sidwell as well. Scary, annoyingly in the same game. You just sit back and just go, what a worldly goal and fair play to the guy. Mm. Um, okay, Nick, your view on that goal? It was class, wasn't it? Really good. I mean, where did Torre get the ball from? Halfway line? It, the easy mm. triangles, passing the ball into, into space and had... Um, What's his face? Not slip. Perhaps he would have stopped him. But even then, it was a class finish, wasn't it? Yeah, really, yeah it really, really was. It's, you know, it's disappointing when you can see it at any time. But the only point that I felt watching it back, the only point I sort of like thought, well, maybe, maybe we could have done better, was just in in the way that Delaney fell. And in a way, it's part part that I'm annoyed that he was unlucky because he kind of fell and he almost fell on the ball. 
uh, and it kind of it sort of flicked up, but it just it just ran for them and just ran for for Torre and but you just can't do a thing about that finish. But the very again pleasing thing, same after the first goal, after the second goal is that we still kept going, we still kept pushing. Um, in spells, I suppose you could argue that both the team and the crowd um, just look were a little bit reserved. It had that little that end of season feel about it. We're not used to getting to this point in the season and having nothing to play for and. Um, it, it was just it was a little bit odd at times I thought I thought being safe was probably was a factor no matter how much we want to admit it and their boost from from Liverpool losing just before the start of kickoff was and, th- and I really do think that that was the main difference in the two sides and uh, so yeah I mean Nick, uh, sorry Tony you, you, you were sort of saying as well you felt it was a subdued game yeah it was I mean one thing I was going to mention you mentioned about Delaney falling over is it wasn't the most costly falling over in the day mm. No, no, we didn't. (laughs) But it was it was a very subdued game. I mean, you could you could see the 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 fanatics had made an an effort with um, the sort of display, and but it was just there there wasn't that sort of electricity that we've had in previous games where the whole place there was there was a couple of moments um, certainly when um, when Murray um, was coming on and. the Tony Pulis chant suddenly went really loud and then that was it. They started the We Love You chant because we hadn't had that for the whole game and yeah, the whole yeah. place erupted it's for it. about a minute and then it died off again. And mm. it just wasn't, you know, it, it, there just wasn't that that atmosphere that we've had for the whole of the season. It, it was it was almost, you could tell, as you quite rightly said, it was, you know, we're safe, all of the emotions, you know, all of, all of the highs and everything, a bit of an anticlimax really. So hopefully against Liverpool... You'd think Monday night, which we always know is rocking, it'll be much better. The players will be up for it because they'll, you know, feel the atmosphere coming from the fans. Last home game of the season. Let's just hope. Otherwise, I really dread, you know, I mean, I can tell you guys a bit later about some of the comments that Chris Kamara made when I met up with him earlier in the week. But, you know, that was one thing he mentioned is that... All right, check out the little name drop there. God. <laughs> to get a bang for that one. Tom, just so you're aware, you went really high-pitched when you said that. To, to, you were mocking Tony, but if anything, I thought you came out of that worse just because you were so high. All right, can't look at the name drop there. Better, that's better. See, do it like Gel does it. Unbelievable, Tom. <laughs> um, just, I'm going to pick up on a few tweets. So, Tom, get ready with your opinion on what we were just discussing about the general atmosphere and stuff. Um, just to pick up on um, the point about Delaney fooling Jamie Green, or right, Jamie is. Um, question whether it was a foul on Delaney um, I don't know I don't know where the collision between the two was I don't know it's almost I don't really know why Delaney fell whether or not the legs got tangled whether or not it was like an upper body collision but I think Torre just powered through it'd be a bit be a bit harsh to call it a foul but you know if it was given I'd have been happy but then it was Howard Webb so it's not likely to give it is it because we're, uh, we're not Man City <laughs> Um, Mark, Cole, Mark Cole earlier on just pointed out that a 10% drop in intensity of our game and quality oppositions will end like this. And this is just a trust, Tony Pulis. I think that's a pretty good summary of, of, of the game, really. Uh, but we will still carry on. Um, Cole Mortimer talking about the Oyatori said it was like watching a fridge with legs bursting through a defence. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. That's a fantastic metaphor. Uh, enjoyed that one. So there you go. So what, what did you think, Tom? Atmosphere and the general sort of uh, attitude towards the game? Yeah, I think compared to some previous games, it's a bit, it, 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 was, it was a bit tame, wasn't it? I mean, it, it was a lot stronger than it's been in some games in previous years, especially towards yeah. the... Uh, January, February last year, um, but I know I've got friends who live uh, reasonably close to the ground, but not right on top of it. And they said they could still hear, you know, the Palace fans coming through incredibly loudly. Uh, yes, uh, I, to be honest, you say it, it's always going to be an anticlimax, wasn't it? You know, we won five games on the, the spin. We were mathematically safe. You know, we still got another home game in the season, so it wasn't you know the final day, big party atmosphere. Uh, to be honest, I was surprised how many empty seats there were before the uh, the game actually kicked off. And during the first uh, first few minutes, I think there was a lot of people who missed the first goal. Um, I know my my area, the Homestead, which is very surprising considering yeah. how sold out that's been all season. Um, you know, I think there's people there. They were hoping we might get something, but they weren't expecting anything. So that coupled with the fact that we didn't actually need anything from the game, sort of maybe deflated a bit. Give the uh, the Homestead fanatics the credit they deserve. They they re- they really tried. Yeah, but all game again. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic. It just, uh, it just, I just wasn't, it just wasn't clicking. I really hope that if we become a mid-table team next season, that that's not the atmosphere we're going to experience for a lot of games. But uh, yeah, I think it's. I mean, when is the last time we've generally had a game where which didn't mean anything going into it? it it's been a while, it's, isn't it? Yeah, it has been a while. Yeah, I've been. I was thinking back a couple of seasons ago where we, probably more than a couple of seasons ago now, but three, three seasons ago when we ended up mid-table-ish. It was the and Forest that, game? That, Do you remember the Forest? Was, yeah, yeah, last that was game it. season. We got absolutely murdered, didn't we, against Forest? But that was, yeah, that was horrific. I just hated. That was just, it was just boring. Um, hope, look, we've got, we've got a lot to play for against Liverpool, um, and we've certainly got a lot to play for in trying to relegate Fulham. So I'm sure we would see too much of that again. Uh, very, very quickly, Tony, you wanted to add a little point to that, and then it's Nick. Yeah, I'll add a quick point. Let Nick say what he wants to say. But I thought the Man City fans are probably the loudest we've had at Sellers this season, and um, you know it helped that they were winning. Yeah, but. yeah, and right, and rightly so, considering what's at stake for them. Uh, they just had a, you know, they had a huge boost, didn't they, before the game, and and that's going to get you up. And and then obviously seeing their team score after four minutes, if they've been quiet point. after that, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean they still look. They still, you know, to to me, our away away support is still hundreds of times better than that. But yeah, fair play to them. They they sang a bit. Yeah, Nick. There seemed to be a lot of people there that hadn't been before. I'm not talking about Man City fans, but there were a lot more tourists, mm. yeah, for want definitely. of a better word. Um, and that's inevitable when you're playing one of the top teams in Europe, isn't it? That you're going to get get yeah. people there to 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 see that. Um, Epsom Eagle in the chat room, wholeradio.net slash chat, says, I'll read the match atmosphere. The drum burst in the first half, although the second half they managed to find another one. I didn't notice that. Did you? <laughs> no, no. Didn't I've seen it before where um, when I sat with the Fanatics where the, the drum sort of the skin goes and they have to replace the skin. They always keep spares. I remember a couple of, uh, a couple of matches where it had gone and they were like, oh, crap, what are we going to do? And the, the, there was no drum for the rest of the game. So, yeah. You um, you sat with the fanatics. Are oh, you Willow? <laughs> yeah, I, sat, I used to sit. I used to sit with them. 
Right, okay. Front row next to the drummer. Wait, wait, wait. Homestyle.net in joke there, so let's let's move on from that. Don't like in jokes. Um, <clears throat> move on. Uh, so yeah, um, okay. Uh, it, yeah, so we were talking about the atmosphere. It wasn't wasn't perhaps the best, but I do think at times during that the, the second half, particularly, like you say, like you said, Tony, when the "We Love You" went round the ground, and I think that was a sort of welcome reminder to most people that they were watching a game of football, and we are Palace fans, and we are loud, and that was nice, it was a nice moment. But you know, okay, it wasn't the greatest of spectacles to watch. It, it, you know, Man City did enough, and, and we couldn't break them down. Um, but let's talk about performances. Who, you know, who was good? Was anyone bad in our side? And um, I felt that uh, Joel Ward's side got targeted, and I think that's probably proof that we. We do need to go out, spend a bit of money getting a specialist left back in the summer because, you know, if, if the best if the best of the Premiership are targeting Joe Ward, and we know how good he is, but ultimately he is not going to be a hundred percent comfortable in the in the left back position. So, I felt that was that was interesting, but I still think he did pretty well during the course of the game. Um, and, and other than that, really, it's just a question of did the did that central midfield partnership work? To, you know, was Jed Jednak up to his usual standard? Was uh, was Ledley as good as he has been? Uh, you know, we didn't see the best from the wingers. I, I thought our best, our best player on the day. I don't know, really. It's, it is a tough one. I thought probably Scott Dan was our standout player. Uh, I thought he looked really composed in the centre of the, the defence and, and played the ball on the floor quite a lot as well, which was nice to see. So um, it, it was probably my pick out. Um, who wants, wants to go next? Anyone? I'll go next. I'll go next. Yeah, go on. Balassi actually admitted on Twitter after the game that it wasn't his best game. Mm. Um, Punction wasn't very good yesterday. I'd, I'd, I'd pick out fact most of the team didn't do that well. Really, we weren't getting shots on target. You, you said Man City sat back. We had two shots on goal in the whole. I don't think we were scared to shoot. It was I don't know. And um, Jerome was probably my man of the match. He ran about more than anybody else. Really? Yeah, he, he did. He did a lot of. Running around, around but again, it's probably probably a little bit lacking in quality in terms of what you, it's what I'm, you come I'm to expect. Be, I'm going to be controversial now. Um, mm. oh. Having seen Murray when he came on, I think he'll be a Championship player again next year. I think he'll be playing for somebody like Reading or somebody. I don't. I really don't. Much as I like the bloke, yeah, a few people. I don't were... think he's Premiership quality. And I was having the conversation with Jeff after the game. It's oh. what a shame that there's no sentimentality in football. You know, Ramage would still be playing mm. for us, but yeah. um, it's, he, he just seemed out of his depth. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's completely fair. It's, it's a really hard time to judge someone like that. He certainly isn't suited to the current system. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's not, he's not the guy who does what Cameron Jerome does. Um, I, so I, he's, he's never going to be that. I don't think he, he can play as one up top, but just in we we you know we need a bit more quality around than than just we, that. We play the wrong system for him, don't we? Because we, we do, we do. Is, he was holding the ball up, waiting for the players to come up and catch up with him. Now we're spreading yeah. the ball wide, and the wingers are bringing the ball forward. So it kind of takes that um, aspect of our game out of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm going to bring you in, Tony, because you were going mad again. Um, go on. Let's have what you're going to say. I think it's blasphemous. Now, I've got to say, uh, Murray, I can see what you're saying. He looked a bit lacklustered yesterday. He did, he did a couple of the old Murray points I remember, which is um, cleverly winning fouls by suddenly stopping and letting the other player clatter into him so he gets a foul. But I think, I think you quite rightly said, I mean, we, we've said it so many times, and 
you know, the guy came back from nine, ten months out. You know, he he's going to need time to get back up and running again. And you know, Pulis has tried to put him into the system. You know, bringing him off the bench and seeing how he gets on. And but you know, until we changed this, we found it in his first season. If you remember, first season he played up top on his own, and we weren't giving him the service, and he only got sort of half a dozen goals. Then we started playing a system towards him. He went and scored thirty goals. But uh, you know, Jerome for me yesterday looked like the Jerome we had. You know, before we went on that winning streak, and the fact that he was running around without actually doing much, um, you know, and unfortunately, unless unless he's actually creating space for, you know, the wingers to come into or playing the channels well, then his role is 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 useless in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I know what you're saying definitely. Um, uh, listen, I, it's it's a really tough one because what you said is absolutely right, Tony. In that. Murray's first season, he was playing up top on his own in a role where we weren't creating chances, and he, he looked ordinary. Um, and we are currently playing that same way. Uh, the question becomes, can we ever play a way that will suit Glenn Murray in the Premiership, and Premiership Premier League, and should we be doing it? Should we be building a team around how Glenn Murray plays? Is Glenn Murray a Premiership Premier League player? Annoying myself now. Um, but... That's a question you can't really answer until he's had a full pre-season, he's 100% fit, he's had a, hor- a really, really horrible injury. And it's an injury that not everyone comes back from. You know, there's a, there's a possibility that had we been in the championship, he might have come back and not been up to it as well. So you've got to give him a little bit of time. Um, I'm kind of not too sure who's next, but go on, Tony, reply to that. Well, I, I think Shifty97 has said on the, um, on the chat room that if, if more first-time crosses come in, or if we play a number 10, then his quality will show and he'll bang in more goals. And I think that's exactly it, is the fact that, you know, we can change the system slightly and have Murray in the team when we need to do that. I yeah. mean, we can play the team we've been playing and then just get crosses in. I mean, we don't, our wingers don't, as much as our wingers, Belassi and Punchin have played mm. really, really well, they still don't get crosses in for the forwards to bang them in. Right, I mean, I know exactly, again, I know exactly what you're saying, but part of the success that we've had, bearing in mind we won five games in a row, and bearing in mind that we were struggling, bef- you know, bef- sort of early on in the season, trying to play a different way. We've had success having someone up top who has occupied a back four on his own, and that is Cameron Jerome, that type of player. You cannot equate that level of success to the way Glenn Murray plays. Like you say, we could play differently. We, we might be successful. But at the moment, there's certainly no guarantees of that. And, and I think it's very, it's very very difficult to say. If, if you look at the current squad we've got now, the players we have now, if you're saying take Jerome out of that, that squad, put Murray in that squad, uh, sorry, in that starting lineup, uh, have Trimac behind him and have the same wingers, but just get crosses in, it isn't that simple. Because the only space we, the wingers are getting are the spaces created by the forward making the runs that he's making. We, we'll find it, you know, and Balassi getting down the wing sometimes beats a player. How often does a cross come in that's accurate? It's extremely difficult. It, it took a long, long time for, for Wilf Zaha to be providing for, for Glenn Murray in the way that he needed it. But you know, it, you know, th- things aren't that simple, Tony. I, I understand what people are saying, but I think it's sentiment rather than the, the evidence of your own eyes when you look at how Glenn Murray would fit into the team. Go on, yeah, I, mean, I, un- I understand what you're saying there, but my, my point would be, I'm not saying to change what we've currently got. What I'm saying is if we need a plan B, you know, let's say we're in a game, you know, it, it's not really working, the other team aren't you know, putting us to the cosh, then that's a potential other system we could try. To have Murray, you know, if we're going to bring Murray on, which it seems to be we're going to mm. do, 
then we need to just say to the wingers, right, if Murray's going to come on, you need to get more crosses in because that's how he gets goals. Do you not do you not think that's what been, they've been trying to do? It's just well, that's what they're trying to do. It's they're not a, doing it. <laughs> it's ineffective, isn't it? I mean, the trouble is we're a division above Tony, and that's my point, where it's, it's, not, it's not quite a given that you're going to go out and say, let's go and get a load more crosses in, guys. Well, there's a, there's a team opposite you that's going to try and stop you doing that. Um, you know, particularly to bring, bring Glenn Murray off the bench. They know they know the, the strengths in our players. But anyway, I'm sure this is a debate we'll come back to probably next season. <laughs> uh, but Tom, hello, hello. Something to do with tweets, I think. Yes, we got some comments on Twitter uh, from people regarding the uh, the best player of the game. Going back to the original question. Um, Daniel, <laughs> Patrick, oh, Palace, Palace Radio's uh, Patrick O'Connor said Dan was brilliant yesterday and can pick out a pass in the air on the ground better than most. Uh, John Sherman also chimes in saying I don't think anyone was overly standout yesterday, but he also agrees that Scott Dan had a good game. Uh, Rob Allen, another one for that, Dan. Mm. And uh, same with Baz Davis. So it seems to be overwhelmingly on the old Twitter that uh, Dan's done well. Um, Andy Hobbs said that uh, regarding the second goal, he thought it was unstoppable, and Damo could have done better um, if he'd slipped and help him but uh, yeah everyone yeah, everyone overwhelmingly sort of on Dan and just quickly oh we've had one from Gareth Davis now saying he thinks Mariapa and uh, we had a comment regarding Murray from Daniel Crennell saying that Murray had a poor first season from us when we were defending most of the time just like we are now best in an attacking team yeah he is and it's just whether or not we're ever going to be attacking enough and creative enough for Glenn Murray to, to thrive in the Premier League oh, I do really really hope so but again it's on sentiment rather than the evidence of my own eyes, in my opinion. Uh, I think Tony Pulis clearly does like him as a player and likes him as a goal scorer. But, I mean, if, if you're being brutally honest, you think, mate, does he have the pace? Does he have the sharpness and the pace? And he might do if he if he has a good pre-season and he gets a bit more strength in that knee and a bit more confidence. He might get that little extra boost. He's never been quick, but he, he looks a little bit off the pace to me at the moment. Maybe I'm wrong, you know. and Or maybe, maybe like Chimak, he will... Um, find a role a little bit further back and with a with a pacey player ahead of him. You never know. There's that little bit in that um, under-21 game against Brentford where Dwight Gale got five goals and most of which were created by Glenn Murray sitting in behind him. So there's a, maybe a little uh, window there that, that previously the, the goal machine that was Glenn Murray might be better as a creator just sitting in behind. So certainly not um, if he doesn't start in, in Jerome's place, maybe he can... Challenge Chimak for a starting spot. But there you go. Um, quick question, and I want a quick answer because we have been going on a little bit. Um, is the fact that people are disappointed? I mean, us, us included. You know, you can see the way we're talking today. We are slightly disappointed. Is it um, evidence of how far we've come, or do you think maybe creeping in? There's maybe a lack of realism. Um, what, what do you think, Nick? I think it was after. We, we were safe. We had there was nothing to play for. I'm not disappointed. We only lost two 0 to one of the best teams in the in the world. It mm. was yeah, if if we were still if we were still near the bottom, fighting for our lives, I'd, I'd have been disappointed. But we were playing against a team who had just watched their nearest rivals lose mm. literally half an hour before. They knew that they could. This was their chance to, to win the league almost, you know, take their steps to winning the league. And I think it was a, an inevitability and the, the psychology of being safe meant that we weren't on top of our game. It, it was, I came away, I, was, I wasn't disappointed with losing, 
I was mm. disappointed. It was such a dull bloody game. <laughs> Fair point. Yeah, okay. wasn't it? it just wasn't a very good game. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. There was no massive attacking flair from Manchester City. No was, verve uh, or... A, no. Um, and and we... Like a, uh, an exhibition. Yeah, it was a bit, yeah. That's that's an interesting way of looking at it. Uh, what, what do you think, Tony? Do you think, um, do you think there's unrealistic expectation... Or, or, or you know, or people generally is it is it what Nick said? Is it just a case that it was a pretty uninspiring match? Uh, yeah, I, 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 my point, Albert, I, I think on that is that you know we'd just come off the back of a five-game winning streak where we'd beaten Chelsea and Everton away, um, and you know if you lose your match, you're going to be disappointed, aren't you? No matter who, if we, we could have had Real Madrid or Barcelona come, and because we were on the back of a five-game winning streak, we'd think, oh, we got a chance maybe if. We, so I just think, you know, after that, you know, that's probably why there was a bit of disappointment. But, yeah, I think I agree with Nick as well. It was almost like watching a bit of... As soon as that first goal and then certainly the second goal went in, it was like watching a friendly match. You know, there wasn't a real guile or a real grit in the performance. You know, they let us attack. We attempted to attack. We couldn't break them down. They counter-attacked, gave the ball away. And then we just went and, and it just went sort of in emotion. There wasn't anything to the game. And I think... I agree that the disappointment was that, you know, thinking, you know, Man City, this was going to be an awesome game. They were going to attack. We were going to counterattack, you know, almost like it was at the Etihad. And it just wasn't that. It just sort of fizzed out. No, that's a, that's a fair observation. But I think that's a very deliberate tactic from Man City. And, and that in itself, I think, is a sign of how far we've come this season, the respect we're now getting. It's interesting uh, you know. that, um, that because Man City sat back, we had a lot more possession. It was a lot, lot. I think it was sixty. It was fifty-five, forty-five, or something. The possession stats. I can't. can't I've got, remember I've got, I've got, them to, got them to hand. It was. Uh, it was fifty-four, it was forty-six. So good. You're so so efficient, yeah. Mr. Hambo. I'd I know. Take my hat off to you if I was wearing one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but is Man City look? Start of the season, we'd say we'd never beat Man City. Have. Aaron expectations are unrealistic. And I'll tell you what, these people on the message boards who think we're going to qualify for Europe next year, they need to bloody have a damn good look at themselves in the mirror. <laughs> because if, if we finish in the top five and qualify for Europe, I will eat, I will eat Hambo's nine-day-old socks. Sweet, I have got some that I've been wearing for nine days. I'll keep them to one side for you. Um, That's good. <coughs> no, I do... <laughs> oh, well, expectations no. are bloody unrealistic. It's Man City, for goodness' sake. Yeah. Um, I do think, I, and I, yeah, I'm talking about the possession stats, it is, it is as clear as day, isn't it? That, um, that that we were that it was a different game. That's probably the highest possession stats we've had in a long, long time. Possibly the highest we've had under Tony Pulis to have and the least you know, amount of shots. Yeah, so it goes to show you that, that we're suited to playing a, a certain way, and um, yeah, I think it kind of validates the points we've been making. Uh, which is nice. <laughs> Makes us sound like we know what we're talking about. Um, I suppose, uh, in a, on a wider sense, and I'm going to ask Tom this question because he's been quiet for a while. Um, and, and it's it's really when we're watching a game like that, and you've got all on, we've got all our new fans that we've got this season, uh, and they're watching us play against Manchester City. It's how do we? I mean, it's how realistic is us? How do we? How do we even start bridging a gap b- between ourselves and a team whose bench is worth more than our stadium? You know, All right, you had a little name that. drop there. God. <laughs> 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 I just noticed your clip got played there, Tom. Um, go on. That's good. I've got my own soundtrack. Brilliant. <laughs> um, 
With great difficulty, I think, is the answer to that question. I, I remember a few years ago when we came down from the Premiership last time around and one of the opposition managers having a moan saying, oh, well, you know, they've got Andy Johnson, he's worth this many million and then they've got someone like Clinton Morrison who's another like three, four million on the bench. And I think in, in, in a similar vein to that, you know, we're sort of at the bottom of this this new this league in terms of spending and it's not going to be something we're going to fix overnight it's it's going to be a gradual step and i'm glad it's going to be gradual because you know we've all seen um what happens when teams spunk the money away and it all goes to pot i mean just have a look at qpr they should be you know having having expensive players doesn't necessarily guarantee quality or a, a high league finish um i but in terms of what you're saying about the sort of the fan base i think with any success and bringing new people in you know they they expect that to continue mm. these the some of the without trying to get on the, the sort of the plastic and the ranty bandwagon mm. the, the the newer fans shall we say to be diplomatic who've come in they've come in because we've been playing well and because it's successful and they want to see that continue that's the only reason they're coming to see matches they're not there you know if, if they cared that much they would have been there when we're losing you know two nil to doncaster on a tuesday night or that kind of yeah. cliched expression so i think it's one of the things we've got to we've got to be patient with and we've got to just believe in tony pulis and believe in the board that they'll they'll do the right things over the summer and they'll work with players to bring out little bits and more quality and i mean just look at someone like balassi and how much he's come on yeah. in the last uh, the six months so i i, I think you know it, don't write it off but just it's, just it's just a gradual thing we've got to we've got to build on it and it's something that tony pulis has been very clear on saying building on foundations a couple of years if we can reach europe if we can you know by fair play or whatever that that's brilliant but i'll, I'll you know i'll settle for a one nil against chelsea you know even even by an own goal and if, as long as we can sort of stay tight in those games in the future then i'm, I'm not panicking i'm enjoying yeah, you're, it you're, you're right and it, it is and tony Pierce has said three four years you need in the top division to establish yourselves and but i suppose what the thing is you sell the journey don't you you don't sell the the instant success. What Palace are there? They're a club on a, a very exciting journey, and you, that's that's what the new people have got to realise. And they've not got to let their frustrations and expectation get ahead of them. Very very quickly, Nick. I need to move us on. Yeah, um, we seem to be a bit in a bit of a malaise on the show at the moment. Can I just ask? Can we just have a few seconds to think about Cardiff? <laughs> <laughs> Nick, that laugh is terrifying and will haunt me. I'm scared. Yeah, I really don't ever want to hear that ever again. I'm I'm going to insist that Mikey edits it off the podcast. I don't want to ever hear it again. I want it clipped and used at every possible occasion. All right, fair play. But um, yeah, I I know what you mean. God, if you look at what's happening there, it's it's just hilarious. I won't go into that yet. There'll be plenty of time uh, for the rest of the season to talk about them going down but it was just a beautiful game to watch I have to say but anyway um, Tom very very quickly you wanted to remind us of something I think now's a good chance to do that while I get my uh, bearings Tom remember that oh, I thought, uh, no, I thought, I thought, I thought you were reminding him oh no I was going to let you do it can you no, do it you know what it is do you Nick it's the player awards voting uh, I don't know where you do it I'm sure somebody will be able to tell me but it's also <laughs> On the whole, there's the uh, annual awards. We're into the second round. Um, Slavini Dave asked me in the chat room earlier to to big yeah. up that. The voting for that will close on Monday night next week. Yeah, that's that one. If you pop to Palace Talk on Homestead.net, at the very very top of the, the page there, there's the Homestead.net awards, which are held every year. The users of that site, but the one we're talking about, of course, is picking the young player of the year. That will actually happen um, during the awards night, and it, it will be voted for by those who use the bbs and homestale.net and to the um 
representatives of both those sites will be presenting the award to the winner. And the four players, I think, on offer are on offer. We're not we're not buying them. Uh, the four players up for the award are Yannick Bellassi. You made that sound so CD. It really, I can't help it. It's CD is my nature. Uh, Yannick Bellassi, Stuart O'Keefe. Dwight Gale and Joel Wars. You can uh, vote there. There's um, basically there's a voting page, which oh, I don't know if I can get the address for it. I probably can. If you go to mm, this is rubbish, but if you go to homestyle.net forward slash page dot php question mark id equals three two three. It's a snappy title, but if you go to that one, um, or you go to just find the article on homestyle.net. Uh, you can vote for the CPFC Young Player of the Year 2014. So there you go. That's that. that the name of your new robot girlfriend address. It does, actually, and that is breathtakingly similar to the name of my robot girlfriend. Um, anyway, so going back to the going back to the game, I was going to actually have a chat about Howard Webb, but I don't really want to. I don't think he really affected the game. There's one possible penalty shout for Palace, where Tom Ince uh, got kind of body-checked off the ball in the, in the area. Um, there was a lot of um, lot of whinging from the crowd uh, against him, but really, I don't think there was. Other than the fact his usual big team bias that you, you sort of get from a lot of referees, in my view. But I don't. Again, I'm not accusing him of being uh, corrupt or anything like that. I'm just simply saying that, that you know he, he kind of <laughs> seems to have difficulty with that natural reaction to favour a bigger side that you know we in awe of all the players and all that kind of stuff. That's how it looks to me. Maybe I'm wrong. He uh, he was he was easily swayed by Man City giving their pleading looks, and every time they went down, they looked at Howard <laughs> Webb, and it's like he go, it's like they go round his house for Sunday dinner. He's so pally with them. One one free kick they got outside the area. A um, couple of Man City players tapped him and oh, thanks for that, mate. Well done. That's excellent. And um, Milner went down. Uh, near the touchline, near where I sit, and uh, the pleading look he gave the linesman, and he was there for about 15 seconds, and, you know, they, they, they do well, look Man City, eight years ago you were in the third division, stop being <laughs> so up yourselves, in fact, over the last 20 years we've been more successful than them. Yeah, we have actually, yeah, Save for the league title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, yeah, all right, leave that bit out of it. But, yeah, no, I've seen they had a hell of a lot of money thrown at them. I'd, I'd love to dwell a bit more on that, but we, we can't really do that. Tom, very quickly, can I come to you for some comments on the whole expectation argument from the listeners? Yep, you can. Uh, so Dave Jones said, I think, in truth, we were all down, deep down expecting the City result. So, you know, th- th- uh, deep down, a lot of people didn't expect anything out of the game. Uh, Dan, uh, at... Tharley83 said um, he agrees with what we said about the expectation anyone expecting a win or a draw was in dreamland, just happy that we're safe and putting a decent shift Uh, Alex Johnston has said all good things must come to an end talking about the winning run, at least we finished once we got to safety, now we need to hammer the scousers and monkey bother us (laughs) 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 and uh, Patrick sorry that one caught me uh, um, Patrick O'Connor said he put nothing into yesterday's match in terms of thinking of the results City were way too focused we were safe lots of good from the five games means a bright future ahead of us yeah that's some good selection of comments there thank you very much for those everybody Um, okay very quickly let's talk about the fact that Gale and Ince got a chance Um, we'll we'll, and really rid of you to not really they didn't have a huge amount of time to have a real effect on the the game but uh, if Tony if you can sort of let me know what you think about um, about Ince during the game I think he had a, a few glimpses of looking all right, but um, 
he's very lightweight. I've got to say, he's um, you can tell. I hate to say it, you can tell he's, he was a championship player, um, and you can tell the difference in in needing physicality in the Premiership. Um, and he, he reminds me a little bit of like Wilf before last season, before he sort of bulked up, if you like. You know, he's got a lot of pace. He's got tricks. You know, he's got. You know, he's got a good pass, good cross, and a good finish on him, which is one thing he's got over Wilf, but he's just very lightweight. And you can see a number of t- times when he had the ball, the, the City players knocked him off the ball quite easily. Um, if it was a 50-50 challenge, you know, he wasn't going to win it. Uh, he's definitely got something about him, but I think, you know, he needs to, he needs to bulk up um, yeah. over the summer. Um, if, he, if he's serious and thinks that he wants, he's a top flight you know, top half, even top six player, he he, yeah. he needs to improve his strength because he's nowhere near that at the moment. Mm. I think there's an, the interesting thing for me about Ince is that you can see he's not a player that's massively interested in defending. He's not been made to do that. Um, uh, when he was at Blackpool, he was sort of played in, in and around the front. Um, and that's why he's not been a, a feature of a Tony Pulis side. So I honestly can't see him being at the club next year. I think he'll he'll feel that he can get... Uh, a style and, a, and a, an attitude that suits hit the way he wants to play the game a bit better. I think, in all honesty, we won't probably won't see him after this season. That's just my view. Um, but I can see why we brought him in. He, he does, and he rates him, and he, he talks highly of him. And you know, the Ince camp um, officially <laughs> have, have said some very nice things about Palace as well. But you know, let's just say I, I heard something yesterday that makes me think that. Um, we probably won't see him yesterday. Uh, so, Jim, if they see him um, much further, I can hear a yeah, horrible but noise. To, um, just, just on that point, Chris, I mean, obviously you'd expect Heidi Pulis from the Ince camp, as you said, to both be saying those things because neither of them want to sort of, you know, burn the bridges or the opportunities if, if they need to have them. Yeah, you know, exactly. we, we don't know what options he's going to get and he doesn't know if what offers he's going to get either. So, uh, you know, everyone's going to sort of say the nice things and do make the right noises yeah. at this time of the season. It's the same we'll really tell. Yeah, the suggestion I heard is is simply that you know he doesn't feel that our style of play will ever suit him. Um, so that's why I don't think he'll be around. But there we go. Uh, these things that you know could could end. You never know how it's going to end up. Like you say, Tom, it might, it might be he might find out that he needs us and, and wants. wants I, I don't. Around. I don't want to go too off topic here. But um, if we were to not sign Ince, who would you like to see us sign? Maybe Premier League or Championship? Is that is that third place? that third winger or that competition or that cover or whatever you want to call it. Do you have someone in mind that you'd like to see Palace go for or do you think... Um, it's just... I, I'm in the Bring Wilf back camp because I think... And I've noticed a lot of people talking about uh, they don't want to see Wilf come back and all that sort of stuff and the Pulis might not rate him. But if, if we're looking at a player in that position, you know, for me, he's he's the, been the best at that that I've seen in a Palace shirt for, well, for a long, long time potentially ever in, in that role because that role doesn't didn't really exist until quite recently um, I, I, it's a difficult one there's not a huge number of options out there I think if, if we're going to start bringing in players that, uh, that are ready to go in the first team um, straight away I can see us looking abroad at, at some names that probably I can't really pull out um, pull out of thin air unfortunately so difficult question good question but difficult one uh, I don't um, I, I know other people have more uh, opinions on that but I don't want to we're just we're just running out of time it's already gone nine and I'm simply not going to delay any longer I'm just going to say I think it's um, certainly after the game I got the impression that, that Tony Pulis is thinking more about using the likes of Gale, Ince, Murray and maybe a couple more of the sort of younger fringe players um 
in the next two games. And whether, I hope well, that's something I'd like to see, and I'm, I'm sure the lads would like to see a couple of those players as well. But let's move on very, very quickly. I've called it Clapgate. There was some argument about it, so I thought we'd better talk, talk about this the next couple of minutes. Um, some fans applauded Yaya Torre off of the pitch. Um, so I want to get your opinions on whether that's a right thing to do or a wrong thing to do, or it doesn't really matter. Uh, personally, I do prefer the noise from our crowd, particularly during a game, to, to be about supporting our team and to not really care about opponents. But I much, excuse me, I much prefer applauding a world-class player than booing him. I remember I was booing Thierry Henry, which I thought was ridiculous. Um, by all means, um, support your own team, but when you see a world-class player have a game like he had against us, I, you know, I can understand some fans doing it. I wouldn't do it. I, I don't feel that it's my place to start cheering an opposition player during a game. But, you know, there you go. Up to other people what they want to do. Um, go on, Tony. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. You know, we should be supporting our own team and, and clapping them. I wouldn't necessarily clap him off the pitch. Uh, the only time I... I think is as as I said earlier um, is when he scored his goal. I did give a clap. Yeah, good goal. You know, fair. That's the only time I could possibly say because if you see mm. a well goal like that, then you just you you can only sit back and think that was that was awesome. We nothing we could do about it, and and fair play. Um, you know, I, 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 I yeah, I think that's definitely the case. I mean, that I I mentioned as well that I thought Joe Hart was a class act yesterday. I mean, he. On, on many occasions uh, when we started getting loud turned to our fans and sort of acknowledged how loud we were and clapped us so mm. you know that's during a game a player clapping our fans rather than their fans to say well done and when we had a bit of banter with him and uh, me and a couple of uh, mates started chanting where's your dandruff gone and he actually put his hands for his hair thumbs up and clapped and I thought that was <laughs> that was awesome personally to actually do that so it's I think that's you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're, they're an opposition team, but they're, they're still footballers. And you can, you can applaud, as you said, world-class talent. But as long as it's not at the detriment of your own team and it's on top of that. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. All right, Nick, last word on that. Sorry, Hazel. No, 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 Nick. No, Nick. Nick's turned all loud, shouty and distorted. Um, so sorry about that, Nick. You're um, just going to have to get some new internets or something. There you go. Go to the uh, so internet shop. Go to the internet shop. Get new internets. Um, <laughs> go, on, go on, go on, Tom. You, uh, you have Nick's opinion. I, uh, 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 thanks for that. Um, <laughs> Nick's opinion. I thought. But anyway. Yeah. Loud and shouting. All right. Would you clap? Would you clap uh, an opposition player? No, I'm, I'm too bitter when we're losing. So no. <laughs> yeah, that's the other side of it. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair play. Um, all right, look, let's leave that there. It, it, I think it's a fair point. Look, it was a, good, it was a decent enough performance uh, against a top side. They had a hell of a lot to play for. We had next to nothing to play for, so not really anything to uh, to worry about in terms of a result. I think we did well. I think we've got a lot to be proud of throughout our whole season. Um, that we've got one more home game left. It's um, you know it's against it's against a very very good side in Liverpool. And we've still got a chance to um, you know to do something. To, to, to affect the title race. Um, so we're going to end with some uh, forward reviews from you, Tom. Well, not from you, but... Yep, we are. Um, so Mark Cole said, met our match finally. Elliot Hughes said, Yaya Torre, different class, which is something that we've uh, had a lot of people express today. John Vince, we cannot squad rotate, which I don't think is an entirely fair comment, but anyway. Um, Jack Dunn says, Yaya, Yaya, Yaya Torre. 
Mm. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, Mark Holders again has gone, we are Premier League, which is uh, probably the most important thing we should remember. It, it is, yeah, yeah. Again, always a bit of perspective, isn't there? Um, so, yeah, that, I mean, that's it. Thank, obviously, thank you for listening today. Um, do, if you want to give us some feedback on the show, be gentle, because I have been crying at some of the comments. And, you know, I do have your names and phone numbers and addresses. Well, I can find the address. That sounded really threatening. Just be nice. Don't be nice. Go to wholeradio.net forward slash survey and just fill out uh, your, you know, just give us some little bit of feedback. Uh, any suggestions you want for, for the show next year? That's what we're really after. It's about uh, anything that you'd like us to do, people you'd like us to speak to, uh, features you'd like us to do, features you'd like us not to do anymore. I'm not saying Doctor Unk or anything, but um, you know. <laughs> but uh, I hate him as well, frankly. But um, yeah. So yeah, that'd be really really helpful if you could do that, and and you've got a chance of winning a home shirt next year. Um, whenever they're announced and whatever they look like, we'll, uh, we'll be giving one of those away to someone who has correctly and, you know, appropriately filled in a survey on holtradio.net forward slash survey. Um, so, yeah, thank you to everyone who's listened and contributed to the show. If we didn't read out your contribution, sorry about that. You can uh, blame Tom. It's at TFancit on Twitter if you want to abuse him for that. Um, otherwise, <laughs> also, if you're listening on the podcast, which I think a lot of you will be this week on the fact that we changed days, um, do, do give us a, a listen live next week. It'd be much appreciated. Uh, next week, to make it even more difficult, we're actually on Tuesday at 8pm because we play on the Monday night. Uh, the host will be Ben, and Alex, Tom, and Nick will be joining him. So look forward to that, and we'll speak to you again soon. Bye now. Hang on, uh, we've really fucking dumbed down here, haven't we? the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfect order mcdelivery now on the mcdonald's app you in at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.